Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Yeah, working at the gym was these shoes that were given to me, and I still wear them all the time because I got that back trouble, and my back was always hurting. Well, I was wearing shoes that weren't right for me. They were a little too heavy, a little clunky. They were clip-cloppers, I call them, because they were katonk, katonk, you know, when I walked. But I got equipped right. And once I got equipped right, I was able to get out there and do more work and produce more. And so now I'm dropping some weight. I got some shoes. I'm equipped better than I was. Well, same with you today. We're all in here, including me, to learn from God's Word, to get equipped better, so that you can get out there and produce better things. So that's what I like about God's Word, is it gets me ready for the trials that are coming. And I'm very glad of that. So in Judges 8, uh, in Judges 7 previous, we had read that Gideon went and attacked the Midianites. You know, he needed all that encouragement. You ever need encouragement sometime? I need encouragement every single day, especially Sunday morning, <laughs> to come up here and do what I'm doing. I need encouragement for that. And I don't, I don't fault Gideon for continually asking the Lord uh, for help and a sign, and would you show me this and encourage me that? And some people go, oh, he's testing God, he's testing God. Well, are you testing God when you ask God for help? God, I need help. God, would you encourage me? Are you testing him? I don't think so. I don't fault Gideon in that. So I, I, I'm the same way. I ask the Lord for help. So before we get into it, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have a standard to go by. It's not dependent on anything any man ever says. It's not dependent on any pastor. And Lord, you didn't call us to be like Christians. You called us to be like Christ. And that is according to the Word of God. Thank you, Lord God, that that is our standard. That is not not this this great, huge falling away of all these supposed Christian believers out there, Lord, that we're seeing that are abandoning the faith, Lord God. That's not our standard. Your word is, thank you, Lord God, that you gave us your standard in your word. We're going to get equipped. We're going to read it. Holy Spirit, bring the understanding and enable me to speak. I'm just a mouthpiece. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's go into it. Judges 8 and 1. So he, he went and did the attack, and uh, it was very successful. And so things they're still kind of on the run. And in Judges 8 and 1, Now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. So he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizur? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian or Abinzeeb. And what was I able to do in comparison with you? 
Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. So if you remember, the Ephraimites, they went and they captured these two princes and, and they took care of them. They got royalty. They got the Midianite royalty. So the Ephraimites, they're upset with Gideon that he didn't invite them to participate in this first battle. But actually in chapter 7, verse 24, it says that Gideon sent messengers throughout Ephraim asking them to come down against the Midianites. He actually sent messengers out there. They wouldn't have even known to get involved if Gideon hadn't made that effort. But even still, they snapped at him. They reprimanded him sharply. Have you ever been reprimanded sharply? And it doesn't just get your blood boiling. Well, how dare you talk to me like that? And that's kind of what happens to me. I got a quick temper, but I also have grace that teaches me to have a little self-control in there too. And I feel my blood boiling. I go, wait a minute, Ray, don't pop. You represent Christ. Chill out a minute (laughs) and give a gentle answer. Is there maybe a way to give a gentle answer to things like this? You know, you know, if you're not going to pay attention to grace and just blow out, you're going to cause trouble. Now, Gideon could have done this, but he didn't. Uh, Proverbs 15 and one says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Even if you're the one that's right. And somebody pops off at you, well, listen here, buddy, and you ball up your fists. Now you're wrong. Well, wait a minute, I'm the one doing right. Uh-uh. No, by the way, you turned and, and, and unleashed. You're now wrong too. And so Gideon's response that he did here demonstrated self-control because he did not want to start up an intertribal war. That's the last thing Israel needs right now when they're trying to get delivered of oppression is to now change it for a war with each other. They didn't need that. But Gideon said here, he said, what have I done in comparison with you, is what he said. What he meant by this is that he and the 300, remember God trimmed his forces down and down and down until he only had 300. God goes, you got too many people, here's less. You got too many people, here's less. Because he didn't want Israel to brag, oh, look what we did. Gideon and the 300, they only began this battle. They launched the attack. They only began it, but the Ephraimites, they came in and they killed off the Midianite princes, Oreb and Zeb. They got the Midianite royalty. We got something here. So you can hear what Gideon meant when he said, what have I done in comparison with you? You hear that? He was saying, hey, in comparison to what I did, y'all actually did better than what me and my 300 did. He, uh, he was saying, in comparison, you did better. So it's like Gideon is saying, what are y'all complaining about? What are you mad about? What are you upset? Why are you reprimanding me? You actually came out pretty good. Gideon also said, is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizer? Now, Gideon's tribe was the tribe of Abizer. He's talking about his own guys. It's like, didn't y'all glean better than what we got? Y'all, y'all did better than we did. And so Gideon said that the Ephraimites' gleanings in this battle were better than what his own tribe did. Back in that time, some of you are thinking of Ruth right now. Every time I hear the word glean, I think of Ruth. Back in that time, gleaning was a practice of leaving some of your harvest in the field uh, for others to come and get it behind you. Uh, In Deuteronomy 24 and 21, it says, When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. 
You're not supposed to glean after the main harvest. The main pickers go through. You're not supposed to go back and pick up the little pieces that everybody missed. You're supposed to leave that. You're supposed to leave the pieces that were missed. In fact, you're supposed to purposely leave some. You purposely leave gleanings for people to get some produce behind as a, as a gesture of generosity to other people. You're supposed to leave it. Leviticus 19 and 9. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. Okay, so send all the pickers through. Don't touch the corners. Don't even touch it. (laughs) That makes it easier for people that are poor and the foreigners can say, man, look what they left us. How nice. See the generosity in that. And so typically, the main harvest, though, is always bigger than the gleanings would be. The main harvest is supposed to be much more as picked than the gleanings. But Gideonite told the Ephraimites, he said, Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abizar? What he said is, your gleanings were more than what we got. It's like, What are you mad at me for? You actually did really, really good in this battle. What Gideon meant is y'all's gleaning produced more than what my tribe did of Ebezer, even though we started the attack in the first place. So Ephraim's gleaning was better than the initial attack of Ebezer. And so that's why Gideon then said to them in verse 3, he said, God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian or Abenzeeb. They got the princes. They got the royalty. That's what made the Ephraimites' side of it better. That's what made their their gleanings greater. And so now you can understand now what Gideon said in verse 3 when he said, What was I able to do in comparison with you? Now I get what he's saying. And so the Ephraimites, they realized they came out of this pretty good. So it says their anger subsided. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We get it. Sorry. You know, and Uh, Yeah, we did come out pretty good. And, okay, let's not be mad anymore, guys. Let's go home peacefully. You know what I think we just saw happen here? When you really look at what went down, is that God resolved a major conflict that could have kicked off. A major conflict through Gideon's self-control. Again, you feel yourself getting ready to just blow. Somebody talked at you in a way that was condescending. You didn't like it. They insulted you a little bit. And your first reaction in that sin nature is to fire back. Well, they started it. But a soft answer turns away wrath. And actually, look, now they're better. Now the the Ephraimites realize, hey, we actually did pretty good. Now they're realizing blessing. And, you know, you're going to be confronted with situations like this in your life all the time. And it's always better to find a way to let God speak through the grace that he has put into you to, to resolve conflict like this. And another matter that I don't want us to miss here is how Gideon took no credit at all in this battle. He didn't even name himself as a victor. He didn't say, well, me and my guys, us, I did this. He didn't even say his own name. He didn't try to take and steal any credit. He mentioned his entire clan. That's why he said Abizer. He didn't say me. He said Abizer. He's not counting himself above everyone else. He never set himself up above others. Had Gideon told the Ephraimites to pipe down, dude, chill out. (laughs) 
Because I'm the one that God called, not you. You hear that pride in there? Okay, God called you. Yeah, I guess so. I've seen people called of God. Well, God called me, not you. I'm right. Listen to what I say. And oh, that doesn't go good. It, it gets people mad. It gets people upset. Gideon didn't even say me. He said, Abizur, my tribe. He's trying to lower himself. It's called humble. It's called humility. And Gideon had to work all these elements together in the face of friction, in the face of hostility to keep an inter-tribal war from kicking off. And it worked. I mean, did you not see the Ephraimites went home? They're like, okay, we'd have nothing to be mad about. We did pretty good. Philippians 2 and 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I've seen people, they get it in their mind, they're better than others. Well, they've climbed the mountain of success and they're way up there and they're they're just so, I'm just so awesome. I'm so great and wonderful. When I step in the room, everybody part and and let me walk through and and they get this conceited attitude. It's so ungodly and, and it destroys and it divides and it hurts. Consider everybody better than you. And that's a tough one because we got this natural tendency to think we're all that in the bag of chips, as Dove says. But you got to consider everybody's better than you. Everybody else is better than you. That will keep you humble. And that's what Gideon did. Gideon esteemed the Ephraimites as better than himself. He did say that they did better, didn't they? He goes, you did better than Abizer. Y'all did better than we did. He didn't go... Gosh, they got the Midianite princes. I wish we had done that and go back to his own tribe. Why didn't you get the Midianite princes? We should have done that. The Ephraimites got them. Now, he didn't do that. He commended the Ephraimites. He goes, look what y'all did. Y'all did better than we did. And, you know, I will say, too, I get up here and preach, and you think, wow, he's the pastor, and he must be so awesome. Okay, y'all go out there in the world to your coworkers and people in the workplace where you could get written up for talking about Jesus and you get the opportunity to share the gospel with people, guys, that's harder to do than what I'm doing. You are doing better than what I'm doing when you go out there and share the gospel in your workplace. I commend you for it. So good. So he honored the Ephraimites in this way, and that's part of what calmed their anger. You know, friends, self-control and esteeming others better than yourself will go a long, long way. It goes a long way with people, even with unbelievers, especially unbelievers. And I have to consider the fact that Jesus, even Jesus Christ himself, he lowered himself even below us. Jesus is is the top, and he didn't have to do that. He lowered himself below me to go all the way to the cross, to die on the cross for my salvation. If Jesus can do that for me, I can do that for everybody who walks this planet. I guarantee you. Jesus humbled himself. And in the face of the Ephraimites, Gideon could have blown his top, but for the sake of peace among the tribes, he humbled himself and he maintained his composure and he used a soft answer to turn away their wrath. Let's be like Gideon in this story, okay? And in the face of hostility, let's be like Jesus Christ. Judges 8 and 4. Wow, there's a lot in those first few verses, wasn't there? Let's milk it, man. uh, Judges 8 and 4. I almost said Jesus 8 and 4. Might as well. Judges 8 and 4. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted but still in pursuit. 
Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zeba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand that we should give bread to your army? Well, I didn't like the sound of that. Are they already in your hands? It's like you already got them? Most of the sizable Midianite groups have been beaten. The Ephraimites killed off uh, two of their princes, but there's still some Midianites on the run. And two kings that Gideon wants to get them to because they commanded and they profited Israel's oppression. They commanded Israel's uh, oppression and they profited from Israel's oppression because they stole their food, destroyed their crops. They were, they were been, these kings made all this happen. They were, they were pushing this. So Gideon really wants them. And remember, this happened for the last several, seven years now. So these men of, uh, from Succoth here, Gideon asked them for bread for his army to help them capture these enemy kings. Now, some of you might notice that the name Succoth looks a lot like the word Sukkot, (laughs) if you're uh, familiar with Israeli uh, holidays, biblical holidays. Sukkot, which is another name for the Feast of Tabernacles or Feast of Booths. Succoth means a booth, and Sukkot is the holiday, Feast of Tabernacles. And so uh, because this place is named Succoth because the booths that had been set up by Jacob back in Genesis 33. I want to just give you a little background. And Jacob journeyed to Succoth, built himself a house, and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. So Gideon says, if you give bread to my army behind me, then you'd be helping us capture these two kings. Help us capture, the, capture these two kings, give bread to my army. But the answer the men of Succoth gave was, are the hands of Zeba and Salmuna now in your hand that we should give bread to your army? They are asking, do you already have them? Do you have them yet? If you have them in your hands already, then we'll give bread to your army, which indicates if you don't have them in your hands already, then we won't help you. It's like, could you give bread to my army? Well. That depends. That's not what you want to hear when you're trying to march forward in faith from other people. Come with me and help me. Well, that depends. I don't like the sound of that. Why would the men of Succoth be like this? What's their problem? Let's look at the map here. We got a map coming up here. As you can see, the Midianites were fleeing from Israel to the east. They can't flee west because they'd run into the Mediterranean Sea that way. So they have to go east. Now, if you notice, Succoth is outside of Israel, just east of the Jordan. And so the reason the men of Succoth denied bread to Gideon's army is because they believe that Gideon is going to fail. They think he's not going to get these kings, that he will not capture them. And when the Midianites get away and regroup, then these kings will order them to go back west to Israel. And when they do, the men of Succoth will be the first ones on their way back to catch their revenge. So they're asking, do you already have them? Do you already have these guys so that we give bread to your army? They're thinking for themselves. They're not even in the fight, guys. And they're concerned about their own tail. And this is why the men of Succoth would not help Gideon's army, because they doubted the power of God, first of all, and they feared the Midianite kings more than they feared the God of Israel. They didn't have enough faith in the God of Israel that he would take care of the things he said he would take care of. And they were afraid the Midianites would come back and get them. 
So look again at verse 6. The leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zeba and Zomona now in your hand? In other words, have you arrested or killed them yet that we should give bread to your army? Friends, we have to understand that the men of Succoth were under the Midianite oppression too. They suffered under this as well. They should have been on board with Gideon. You would think they'd have been like, you're going after the kings? Man, we'll give all the bread we got. But they were more scared of the kings. They were more scared of the world than they were of God. That is a major problem that we have in supposed Christian circles right now today. People are more scared of what the world will do to them if they follow God than what they're scared of God will do to them if they don't follow him. Big, big problem. You think I feel 100% comfortable going to Planned Parenthood on the first Saturday of the month to pray against abortion standing right outside that facility? Sometimes it's not very easy, but I'm not so scared of it that I'm going to tell God, no, I won't do it. God, has that place come down already? Have you already taken it down? Well, then I'm not going. You know, that's kind of the attitude. Friends, I go there and I pray and people come with me. We go there and people hate me for it. And people write emails and they say nasty, threatening things. But I still go there because God told me to do it. I don't let the world dictate to me what I will and will not do because of my being scared of the world. I fear the Lord God more. And we got we to gotta get on board with those who are doing the work. But these men of Succoth were more afraid of the enemy than they were of God. And their response was, if you don't already have these two kings in your hands, then we're not helping. That makes me sad. It makes me sad because there's a lot of people like this. There's a lot more people that need to realize, hey, look at those guys working. We need to get behind them. We need to support them. That's one of the reasons why we support Dove Schwartz when he goes to Africa. He's going soon. We help him go. I've been with him before to Africa. I've been to Nigeria, and we go preach the gospel. We need to get behind that and help. Judges 8 and 7. So Gideon said, for this cause... When the Lord has delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel, saying, When I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. Okay, he's mad now. (laughs) Now Gideon's mad. Go back to that map. The map there. You can see how Gideon went past Succoth farther east to Penuel, and Penuel reacted the same way because they were afraid the Midianites would come back west against them. Now Gideon was, he was soft in his response to the Ephraimites, but now he flipped. And now he's being harsh. What changed? Okay, Ray, you made this big speech about being soft, and now he's being angry. What happened here? He was harsh against Succoth and Penuel because their stance was actually adding to Israel's oppression. There's nothing wrong with the righteous getting firm with those who make trouble against the righteous. Now, I'm very soft when I need to be, but this right now in this scenario that we're talking about is life and death. People are being killed. Israel had been oppressed and starving for seven years. It's time to be firm. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.